Hi there guys and welcome to today's live stream. We're gonna be talking all about back muscle pain. When you've got that soreness in the back, is it just the muscles? What exactly is going on? Why is this one of the most common things that we see in the clinic as a precursor to long-term back pain? And what can you do to quickly identify it, understand why it's happening and then resolve it efficiently so that it doesn't bother you for the long-term. So hopefully today's live stream is gonna be really, really helpful for you guys. If you are new to the channel, please do consider subscribing. We do these live streams every single weekday. And every single weekday, we also have the Q&A, the live Q&A at the end of the live stream. So if you've got any questions about the topic of the day or any questions and need a little bit of help with your back pain or neck pain, then please do post those in the comments. We've got Lara the other side of the camera and she will be reading those out towards the back end of today's live stream. And with that, let's get into today's topic. So uh, with back pain, I've got a little quote written on the, on the back of the board up here. Um, it is just muscle stiffness, it'll go. This is one of the common things that we see in the clinic. It's one of the common phrases that gets banded around. And generally speaking, if you go to your GP, the first thing that will come, up, come along will be, look, it's a little bit of muscle stiffness. Uh, give it a bit of rest, come back in six weeks and, and we'll go from there. And unfortunately, that's really problematic. It, it doesn't help you guys understand what's going on there. And in many cases, it's actually gonna be a, more of a problem because the sooner we can get in and deal with these the causes of the back pain, we can stop doing some of those bad things, the better we're going to be for the medium and the long term. So I thought I'd go through a little sort of diagram on the board first and foremost, just explaining kind of what's happening um, and sort of discounting the fact that it's a muscle problem. It's never really a muscle problem. There are really two uh, scenarios which are per different permutations of the same thing that will give you a muscle problem and the rest of it is really a muscle reacting. The muscles are reactive structures. They do what they're told to do. So if they are tight and stiff, they're being told to be tight and stiff. They're not just magically becoming tight and stiff of their own accord and therefore need you know, a little bit of rest to recover. That being said, if we start off with the first and really the main or only scenario where your back muscles might be stiff for a understandable reason, and that would be they're stiff, they're tight, they're injured from an excess workout in the gym. Maybe you've done deadlift yesterday or you've done um, a back day in the gym, heavy lifting through those muscles, you've really overworked them, and then a day or so later, or later that day sometimes, you're going to get what's called DOMS, which is delayed onset muscle soreness. If we go a little bit to the extreme, we might actually cause some minor tearing in those muscles, and this is very, very, very rare for the average person. These sorts of muscle tears only really happen in the sort of the elite sports person or the power lifter that is going for a PB and hasn't quite made it or something like that, and then you get a lot of bruising. So if we haven't got that sufficient level of bruising, we haven't done that much damage, but we might get, as part of the natural training process, a bit of delayed onset muscle soreness in those muscles. And generally speaking, on the overall majority of cases, this will clear within a week. So if your back has been stiff uh, and, it's, and it's not really recovering after a day or so, that's okay. Sometimes it can take a bit, of, you know, a week or so. And with uh, lockdown, we're, we're shooting this video now is 10th of August, 2020. So if you've just started going back to the gym after lockdown, then you might find, uh, much like myself, that the first week or so you've been back in the gym, you are going to be sore afterwards. Some people, it takes a day or so for that delayed onset muscle soreness to build up. Others, it happens more or less immediately. So it's not so delayed. And that is an understandable cause which will resolve itself. But if we're talking about searching YouTube videos for why does my back hurt, why, is, why, why have I got muscle pain in my back, many of you watching this will not have had it for a week. It will have been maybe two, three, four weeks. It may be a recurring theme, which it should not be. 
That is when we're looking at something a little bit more in the spine and trying to get a better understanding of what's going on because it is not a muscle that is the problem. It's something a little bit deeper. And that's where the diagram on the board comes in here. We will have an injury in our back. And in a lot of cases, as we've mentioned on previous live streams, this injury is maybe a repetitive strain. Maybe you've been working from home for the last three or four uh, months and will be for the foreseeable future perhaps. And you're sat in a bad chair, in a bad desk. You haven't got your same office support. And therefore we're repetitively straining some of the ligaments and structures in our lower back, which is creating a low grade of inflammation. That low grade of inflammation will send signals to the nerve. Maybe if you really reflect on it, there is a little bit of pain there but most of it will be the stiffness because this nerve then goes and connects to another nerve in your spine and goes back out to that muscle and says, hey, tighten up to protect me. I'm injured, just give me a little bit more support, tighten up. And that's okay for the short term. If we think, for example, we sprain our ankle um, crossing a railway and we see an oncoming train coming, we will quickly tighten those muscles up and hobble off because the threat of, of danger uh, it dictates that it's better to not worry about the ankle. Let's just tighten up and get out of the way. But then we can relax that muscle off and we can start working on the ankle sprain. Whereas in this scenario, we don't really deal with the injury. We don't deal with it properly. And this uh, muscle spasm is something that becomes a more permanent fixture because we are constantly injuring that back. We're constantly sitting badly as opposed to a one-off sprain. So we have residual consistent muscle spasm and stiffness, often like a band across that lower back, maybe going into the buttocks slightly as well and sometimes further down into the hamstrings and that's when we start getting com uh, conversations of sciatica. But usually it will just start out as stiffness in the back and if we can catch it there and recognize that it is a back problem, not just a muscle problem, then we can really do some really important things. Because if we believe that it is a muscle problem, we will start stretching the muscles. We'll start hugging our knees towards our chest. And if you've seen any of our live streams, you know for back problems, that is not a good thing. Now, how does this progress on? Because most or a good number of patients that we see have some history of back muscle soreness. The muscles have been stiff and they thought, oh, don't worry about it. It's, you know, it's, just, it's just the muscles, it'll go away. And it doesn't. And what happens is the damage here starts to get worse and worse and worse. And then the nerves start actually sending signals to the brain to say, hey, something hurts here. And then we get that loop carried on. It goes back to the muscles. And this is just a very rough drawing to help you guys conceptualize it a little bit better in your own brain. But that's essentially what's happening. And then we start getting the other symptoms, maybe some more severe feelings of pain, which is uh, a signal called nociception, which is actually going to the brain. The brain's going, oh, there's something sore in my back. Now it's gone from a aching pain, a muscle pain across the back, and it's started honing in. Maybe it's on that left side at the bottom of the lower back, or maybe it's a, becoming a bit more of a pointed feeling, or maybe it's becoming a more of a deep ache that's focused to a specific area. And that's how these things progress. And if you guys suffering with muscle pain in the back can get this around your head and start doing some of the things which I'll touch on a little bit later, then you're gonna deal with that muscle pain an awful lot uh, more effectively because you'll be dealing with the source of it rather than just trying to treat it like a muscle. So that's pretty much what's going on when we injure our back and when we have that muscle pain, what can we do to fix it? Now, if we know that it's a issue with the load bearing structure with our lumbar spine, and that's under excess stress, we really need to start looking at things we're doing on a daily basis. Are we sitting for extended periods? Are we not as active as we used to be? Have we been inactive from a gym and fitness point of view? And therefore our fitness levels have reduced and so have the muscles that protect us during that fitness. And therefore we need to make changes there potentially as well. But we've got the back in shape exercises which are there for everybody to do. And why do they work? Because the first thing that we're doing is we're providing support and engagement for that spine. We're protecting this injury 
from further injury. And that's the big problem. If we just think it's a muscle, then we're not going to address the injury and we're not going to protect it for the long term. We're not going to splint it. Go back to the ankle injury, we might put a boot on for a couple of weeks just to keep it, or a couple of days, just to keep it protected from further injury. So we learn to re-engage the core. What else do we do? We don't want it to move as much. So we make sure we get our hamstrings and our hip muscles, our glutes and our hip flexors to move a little bit more so our hips can work better, again, to further protect this injury. And we're not necessarily stretching out the muscles that are specifically tight. Those lower back muscles, that's where you might be getting that tightness feeling, that stiffness feeling in the lower back. If we can work on those hamstrings and the other muscles, they will take more of the load because the hips are a better, more, st more stable joint in multiple ranges. So they can also prevent further injury in the lower back by being more flexible. And then finally, so the, the closing combination is to use what we call the towel exercise, which is taking a rolled up towel about that big or so, and placing that underneath the lower back to support the arch, the backward bend. And what that does is two things. Number one, it takes pressure off. Let's suppose this is the disc. It takes pressure off the discs, L45, L5S1. But it also unloads the muscles because the muscles, maybe the curve in the lower back is a lot straighter. And by putting that curve back in, the distance between A and B relaxes off and those muscles can calm down again. And then closing that off, once we finish that towel for three or four minutes, we can then go and use a little bit of ice over where the injury is to reduce the inflammation a little bit, control it a little bit more so that the healing process can start to take place. And if we're a little bit more aware of what we're doing on a daily basis, then we will find that the lower back stiffness, the pain that's down there or the, 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 the stiffness that eventually will become pain is averted and we can start resolving the problem. It's always easier to resolve a minor problem that's giving you muscle pain rather than a major problem that's giving you severe sciatica or other sort of painful symptoms in the lower back. And chances are, if it's just muscle stiffness, you're gonna be able to do a lot more of the rehab sooner, which is ultimately what's gonna really fix the problem. Um, so that's a really, really important thing. But that little uh, routine there, that's available on backinshapeup.com. Uh, it's free for everybody to start off with. Uh, you can do it as long as you need to do it for, but then you need to move on and do some more robust physical exercises. So that's pretty much it when it comes to muscle pain. Please don't get caught out. If it lasts a couple of days, fine. But if it's going on for more than a week, we really need to look at it a little bit deeper and do some of the exercises, for example, those in the back in shape. So we'll go on to Q&A. Okay, awesome. Good morning, everybody. Right, I'll jump straight into the questions. Dean has asked here, how do you know if it is your spine and that's making your muscles ache or if it's the muscle itself that's injured or torn? So the, the big one is going to be the mode of onset. If you've injured a muscle, you will know you've done it. Um, you will say, oh, yesterday in the gym we did deadlifts. Um, I lifted more than I should have done and today I'm suffering for it. And generally the muscle will actually resolve very quickly. Uh, muscles have a huge, uh, great blood supply. They resolve very, very efficiently. There will be a mechanical strain that's happened. If you cannot pinpoint that mechanical strain, then it's not there. It's sim simple as you need a significant mechanical strain in order to damage those muscles. If, it, if it's not there, then we go down to the, the spinal root. Mm -hmm. if, you can't, if you cannot pinpoint a reason why that muscle pain is there, then we go down, okay, there's something wrong with the spine. It's aching for quote unquote no reason. As of the reasons of, of what I've discussed, there's probably repetitive strain on that lower back. It's putting strain through those discs and the other structures, there's creating this low grade of inflammation. And then this is happening and you're getting the muscle reacting by stiffening up. And that is a back problem rather mm. than a muscle problem. If you've been in the gym, you've done squats or deadlifts, worked a bit harder, maybe it's just, just out of lockdown, then yes, your back muscles might be stiff, but they will recover in the course of a week. We had, we had that, that very young patient whose yeah. muscles started to 
well, lock him into a terrible posture. Yeah, yeah. So on the topic of an antalgic posture, this is why we want you guys to, to it's a bit of a, a chat today rather than specific sort of going through things with the spine, but it's so important because we had a, a, a guy come in, uh, he'd had images done uh, earlier in the year, well, end of last year, and his spine wasn't so bad, but he, he had an injury there. He was there. very young, was that early 20s? Yeah, yeah. And, um, and his, his spine wasn't that bad back then. Um, he had a bit of treatment and then couldn't carry on for whatever reason it was, uh, but a, a reasonable reason, uh, traveling, uh, and then started looking after it on his own because it kind of came back and was doing bad things for a solid two or three months. And then we go and get a reevaluation re image done and his spine has objectively gotten substantially worse because the practices that have been done have been trying to stretch that out, leaning forwards. And then you can't stand up straight, which is then leading into a perpetual cycle of worsening of the underlying problem because we're doing the wrong things to start with. So it's so important that something that is simple and that can be resolved needs to be understood effectively. Treat it as a spinal issue first, do those necessary things because they will also help the muscle anyway. It will help the muscle heal anyway. So treat it as that spine injury, go through those necessary rehab points and it stops things getting objectively substantially worse over, this, over the long term. So really, really important one. Okay, awesome. Um, Alice has asked here, what would you suggest for an end of the day routine to maintain the back strength and muscle tone in the context of no muscle aching or pain? As an end of day routine? Yeah, um, to maintain the back strength and the muscle tone. What I generally do is pick the time of day that you find best to do your, your physical workouts. So if you're struggling with that back end of the day, I'd probably say you'd want to do your workout maybe middle of the afternoon because you're going to keep a bit of a pump for the rest of the day, especially as we get into sort of phase two and phase three. Personally, I actually, I actually prefer doing my uh, lower body stretching before bed, so in the closing hours of the day. So the ham hamstrings, glutes, hip flexors, etc. I like doing that in sort of the one, two hours before bed. Uh, I find that quite helpful personally because um, it just loosens things off before bed. So uh, that's, that's my point. But I'd suggest if you're looking to keep a little bit more stability going in towards the closing hours of the day, I'd probably look at a, a later afternoon or mid-afternoon slot to do your workout. Um, that might be a, an appropriate way because different people find they work out at different times of the day yeah. best. And this is Alex Vesco, so I'm not quite sure which phase he's in. If he's doing the phase three, then he mm. will start to do the, the, the more... Back yeah. strength training yeah. and we're releasing the phase three workout uh, yes yes we've got the uh the, the new uh phase two workout uh the follow along video of me uh getting hot and sweaty doing phase it three, and getting out of breath the phase three yeah the second workout yeah um is coming out on wednesday so that, that's already been released but the one of me doing the routine um so, I, I would suggest do the workout later on in the day uh, you might find that it keeps things together a little bit longer Okay, brilliant. Um, Ollie has asked here, is using the machines at the gym more effective than using free weights? Um, I used to be very keen on using the machines to get people into it. Um, so things like the chest press, leg press, etc. But I think in, in retrospect, it's, it's probably better that we do um, compound exercises, exercises that actually use our, our body in a normal way. Because Although the machines can actually be really helpful, let's suppose you've got a knee injury, for example, you've had a, 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 you know, a surgery on your knee and we need to get the knee to rehab. Yes, doing some specific work, maybe on a leg press machine to help you focus really closely on that movement of the knee, uh, first and foremost might be be really really helpful but for a lot of people with back pain it's the coordination we, we see people maybe doing a squat you don't have to go all the way down uh, in the squat but even just doing a slight squat because at the end of the day you're going to be getting in and out, out of chairs every day which is a squat focusing on getting the movement patterns correct 
is probably more, well, is more beneficial for you as a person with back pain. Because nine times out of 10, when people are doing sort of a squat, they're kind of rounding their back or they're moving in a jittery way and they're not able to do it effectively. Um, so doing those free weight exercises, I think, are better. Obviously, starting off with no weight, then introducing um, resistance, uh, whether that's with bands at home or whether that's with weights in the gym. The only thing I would say is if you are going into weights in the gym, then we want to be careful with how we're getting our, st our workout station ready. A lot of people are, uh, can be a little bit absent-minded when they're picking up the four kilo dumbbells to take them over to their workout station, uh, but they'll readily set themselves up correctly for a 100 kilo deadlift. Um, and it's often those guys that injure themselves picking up the fours rather than the heavy deadlift. So just do, do be mindful if we're moving equipment around the gym, especially dumbbells and kettlebells, etc. We want to do it with good form, but I would say it's, it's better to do the exercises that are sort of whole body um, free weight exercises personally. Okay, Alex has just sort of clarified. He said, what I mean is at the end of a long shift when you're tired but um, not done any of the phases throughout the day. Ah, okay, that's different then. Um, if it's a, if it's the end of a long shift, uh, a particularly long shift, and I think your hours yeah. might be might be a little bit long, um, I, I would really in, be inclined to go with the um, the stretching. Do a little bit of stretching uh, just to, to make sure those hips, especially if we're sat down for long periods, a little bit of stretching, just make sure those hips are a little bit more mobile, they're working correctly and they're supporting things. Um, you may not feel like you can do the phase three routine with as much vigor. So it, it does ultimately come down to personal preference. I would rather get my workout done before a long shift and then just do the stretching afterwards because you, you'll have been very busy, especially if you've got a manual type job where you're doing things uh, that are a little bit more active. Also for those people that- And get on the towel. Yes, um, for those people that are having to wake up at like 5 a.m. Mm -hmm. for, you know, I don't know, like delivery drivers or mm -hmm. something like that, is that what you recommend for them when they get home? Would you, would you say do, one of the phase two and then slot in the phase one with the stretching when or... you get home from work mm -hmm. um if you're on shift work i would try and get your workout done earlier in the day if possible if you habitually have a longer day maybe you start earlier in the morning you start at 5 a.m and you always finish at about four then we can do the workout later on in the day uh, but I would suggest it might be prudent to get a bit of stretching done immediately after you finish your workout, get yourself freshened up, maybe have some food, and then later in the evening you could do your workout if that's the case. But if you're finishing at like eight or nine o'clock at night, you don't want to be you know, jacking up your, your, your heart rate, etc. right before going to bed. I mean, it doesn't really bother me too much, but some people it does affect you. And that's where you kind of have to feel your own, your own body. Uh, some of these things, when we start getting into when's the best time to work out, those sorts of things are more of a performance thing for a phase three and onwards type level. When we're talking about, I've just injured my back and I'm, I've got strain, then we're talking about sort of phase one, phase two, slightly less relevant there. But uh, phase three, you want to sort of, sort of customize it to your body. When are you best at working out? Um, but I would still say after a long, long shift, a little bit of stretching is always going to go a long way. And it takes, what, 10, 15 minutes to do that phase one routine. It really would be worth doing a little bit of ice on and then you can crack on and you'll feel a little bit refreshed as well after lying on that towel for five minutes. Okay, awesome. Alice is happy. Uh, Karen has said, how do you know the difference between delayed onset muscle soreness and a relapse of uh, pain in the back? It, it's a bit of an annoying answer, but you just, you know. Um, you won't have been in the gym and done a PB. So generally, in order to get delayed onset muscle soreness, you need to have done a physical activity that is above and beyond what you are used to. So for example, for, for me again, coming back into the gym after four months of not doing anything, 
that is very clearly going to be the delayed onset muscle soreness. Now, the important thing of note is that that stiffness, say for example, you've done some work on your legs, that stiffness in the legs can translate to aggravate the lower back and the one can then lead into the other, which is why we need to be, be cautious with that. So if for example, you've got delayed onset muscle soreness in your legs, your hamstrings, for example, what do we know about phase one? Well, we need to keep those leg muscles and hips mobile, otherwise the back's gonna do more work. So if the delayed onset muscle soreness does last and we're not doing our appropriate stretching in spite of those muscles being sore, then it can aggravate the lower back as well. So there is that to bear in mind, do please consider that. But ultimately you will know if it's a relapse versus that delayed onset muscle soreness because the delayed onset muscle soreness will be symmetrical through all of the muscles that we've worked yes you might have some dominances one side versus the other but there will be that soreness throughout all of those muscle chains that you have just worked in the gym yesterday or the day before the relapse will be very it'll, it'll be different um, but as, as i said if you don't handle that delayed onset muscle soreness through stretching etc and just keeping things moving even going for a walk even though those legs might be a little bit sore then it can create trouble for the back uh, a couple of couple of days to a week down the line Okay, got a great question here about overstretching from Joe. He said, mm -hmm. if we feel that the hamstrings are so tight, can we stretch them more than suggested? Or can the muscle be overstretched even if they feel really tight? So this is something that we're actually going to be getting into a little bit later, uh, probably in the next month or so. So something that, and, and do post, if you're watching this and you're part of the premium membership in particular, please do let us know what you think of this because we are likely to, well, we are going to be feeding in a little bit more of a stretching program, a uh, specific stretching program to improve and increase your flexibility, which will be tagged on to the end of phase three. The reason for that is when we're doing the phase one exercises, we're trying to just keep those muscles mobile, keep them supple, keep adhesions from forming between the layers of soft tissue in the hamstrings, the hips, muscles, etc. Later on, we might want to actually increase flexibility, but when you're in a throes of back pain, when things are injured, we don't really want to be trying to make gains. We don't want to be trying to make um, objective improvements in flexibility too much in that way. So I don't want you lying down for five, six, seven, eight, ten minutes unless there's a specific targeted need that we've discussed maybe from x-rays trying to stretch these out for longer because generally speaking you, you're going to be uh, compromising yourself you haven't necessarily got the technique there to stretch them effectively most of the time that people cannot feel the stretch it's because they're not doing the technique correctly and with a few nuanced changes we can go oh i felt it there and, mm. and now we know what it feels like. So I really would default, if you're not feeling those stretches in the early days and you're in phase one or the early parts of phase two and you're not feeling them, um, do not try and just push it further. Adjust, rewatch the videos. That's why we have videos instead of sheets of paper. The videos help you guys really reevaluate your technique, watch it again. There's a few other videos inside the Facebook group uh, for the premium members and in the bonus section in the premium member section uh, of the backinshapeapp.com that will just help you give nuanced ideas for just tweaking their stretches in, in different ways to allow you to feel them more effectively. Don't just yank them harder and harder and harder and harder mm -hmm. because that can lead to problems in itself. It can lead to irritation of the tendons and the attachment site to the bones. So we don't want to be doing anything that is too aggressive, especially in phase one. As I said, later on in phase three, we are going to want to start to improve certain areas of flexibility because improving our flexibility will improve the general overall health. But we want to do it in the we don't want to do these things in the right order. And that's first of all mobility. And then it's going to be strengthening and then we can feed, feed back in improvements in flexibility. 
So uh, that, that's kind of a coming soon yeah. little sneak peek for you guys. Yeah. Okay, brilliant. I think we've gone through everybody's questions. Hope I didn't miss any out. Um, yeah, brilliant. All done for the day. Awesome. Well, hopefully you guys found today's live stream helpful. We went off on a few tangents there and revealed something that's coming up uh, soon. So <laughs> hopefully you guys did find it really, really helpful. If you are new to the channel, please do consider subscribing uh, to the YouTube channel. Hit the notification bell. We go live every single weekday. Uh, we'll be going live again doing the Q&A this week. So hopefully you guys can join us, ask some questions. And if you hit the notification bell, you'll know when we go live so you don't miss out. You get sent the link uh, to either watch us on Facebook or on YouTube. So until then, have a great afternoon. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you for your questions. And thank you very much for all of your questions, guys. And we will see you tomorrow morning with another live stream. <laughs>